0: Have you ever had to reinvent yourself? Have you had to start over for a number of reasons? Perhaps it's losing a job or having to start a new career, start a new business. And you know that there may be massive resistance. Maybe people even trying to take you out to take you down who don't believe in you. And as a matter of fact, completely do not support you. Learn from my good friend, Doug Billings, what it takes to overcome those obstacles and get on the right side with Doug Billings. Cue the intro. Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now... Here's the real deal. So, are you ready for the uh, the best introduction you've had all day?
1: Doug, I am ready for it, man. If you can, if you can get that, uh, you you will be a friend for life, man. I I am ready. All right, so
0: here we go, ladies and gentlemen determined prayer determined to patriotism and the point out the intellectual immaturity of liberals the right side with Doug Billings is one of the most promising new conservative political and social commentary programs in America and around the world recent ratings put his show at number seven in the United States and in the top 10 of news commentary shows in over a dozen countries with his rush limbaugh-like personality powerful voice high-level political sources of information and his unique ability to see through fake news to arrive at the truth. Doug Billings has brought the right side to relevance in America. He continually points out and illustrates the intellectual immaturity of liberals. He also attracts high profile guests. General Michael Flynn has agreed to do a monthly interview series with Doug. His list of guests is impressive. Sidney Powell, Chad Prather, Michael Johns, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Simon Parks, Charlie Ward, Mel Kay, Dr. Richard Bartlett, John Jenny Beth Martin, and numerous politicians and political pundits. But the show gives you more than mere news. When you watch and listen to The Right Side with Doug Billings, you will also get a dose of hope and inspiration. The author of Your Wonderful Life, no matter the past, life always holds wonder, joy, and meaning. Doug brings his godly enthusiasm and optimism for America to every show. Whether Doug is talking with you one-on-one or interviewing a guest, The Right Side with Doug Billings gives you the facts, accurate predictions, and along the way, helps you find the wonder, joy, and meaning in this life. All within reach if you come over to the right side with Doug Billings. Billings. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow, Doug. I just, it was a cold read, but I I wanted to get it all in there. And I love the fact that we had the chance to connect before this to really understand the the big picture uh, that you've experienced and been through. So uh, thank you for sharing your most valuable asset, your time, and your wisdom.
1: Oh, hey, it's my my pleasure, my uh, honor. You did that all with one breath. I don't know if anybody noticed that or not, but that was quite well done.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's appropriate, but uh, I I, uh, I couldn't find the space to breathe because it was a cold read. So- Wow, that was fantastic. Uh, with that being said, um, thank you. And one of the things, uh, the purpose of this experience, The Real Deal On and success is all relative, of course. This doesn't just mean finances is the fact that everyone has had the opportunity or the necessity to reinvent themselves and i i just i want to acknowledge the fact that you shared and i'd love to hear the the story about having a corporate gig and and having a level of success that was relatively stable to having to reinvent and you chose a passion which I completely love and support, and yet at the same time it could be one that would be jumping into the face of adversity. Uh, so you didn't go from safety to safety.
1: Right. You're right, and you know it's funny Doug, because in my uh, in my personal life, I go to great lengths to avoid confrontation. <laughs> believe it or not, and I have, have chosen something where there there is a a calling and a um a calling to actually be confrontational with regards to what we see going wrong in the in the country today so not that i'm a confrontational guy but i as i looked at what was happening in this country especially uh, during the last year or so i i uh, made the decision that i could not be silent any longer about speaking up about what i view as traditional conservative values and how they can help the country and how a vast minority of people have really taken over the narrative and driven the country into a direction that I just don't see uh, in any alignment with the founding fathers and their principles and so forth, as far as is our Republic. So yeah, last year, because of the COVID scare, uh, I was, I was furloughed. I had spent 23 years in corporate America as an HR executive and was furloughed. And, you know, I'm in my, you know, I'm, in my mid fifties and you think to yourself, well, what am I gonna do now? I've got I've got this amount of money in a fertile package to figure out what's next. I wasn't at a point where I wanted to retire, probably couldn't really retire. And so what do I do? Um, and then I just hearkened back to what I did once upon a time and paid my way through college working in radio and television. And I thought, well, I'm gonna give this a go and started a YouTube channel, started the right side with Doug Billings. And within a year, 7 million people have checked us out. So for me, that those are good numbers. And, I, and yeah. it's been, been incredible.
0: That is impressive, to say the least, uh, because you, like many, did do something similar, like start a podcast, myself included, um, and for similar reasons, right? Just seeing uh, an opportunity to hopefully be a guiding light. Uh, so let's back up a little bit. This is awesome. You kind of uh, reinvigorated an old passion of yours. What were you doing in radio and television prior? How did you leave that and go to corporate? And then what was that like to come back to this new uh, way? Because I, you know, my career, my first career was in music and entertainment, and it's very different now than it was then. I, I wonder how different was it for you to transition?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, so back, if we go back in time to when I was in college, I went to the University of Missouri in Kansas City and paid my way through back in those days, Doug. I mean, it was 600 bucks a semester. I mean, uh, <laughs> go figure. And it doesn't sound like a lot of money today for, for, for those of us that were, you know, living and in, in going to a, a commuter college in Kansas City. I, it wasn't a small amount of change, but it was doable. I, I could pay for it myself. And I worked at a local radio station, KBEQ, Q104. And it was a pop radio station at the beginning of my time there, but transitioned into a country station and simply worked part-time at, at the at the radio station. Made my way through college that way. Thought that that might be the career I wanted to go. I left uh, UMKC after graduation, went to North Carolina, got a job at a TV and a radio station there, WECT TV in Wilmington, North Carolina. And really thought that was going to be um, how it went? What For was me, your role?
0: Were you were you an on air uh, personality? I was on air in okay. both situations. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah. Um, as as time went on, you know, I was at that time I was twenty three years old, just out of college, and discerning a, a few things in my life. I was born and raised a, a, a Catholic, and went, was was heavily involved with church. Went to the seminary, so I left. I wanted to answer a lifelong call of mine, uh, or a lifelong thought. About priesthood. I thought, well, I'm going to answer this once and for all. So I actually left TV and radio and went into a a seminary in northwestern Missouri, Conception Abbey, run by the Benedictine monks up there. Had a great year of discernment and decided that that wasn't where I wanted to be, Um, wanted to be married and have a family. Left the seminary, came back to Kansas City and pursued a master's degree in education and became a, a teacher, high school teacher for a couple of years. And as many teachers do during the summer months, I took a a part-time job. I answered a call from Sprint, who at the time was based in Overland Park, Kansas. And long story short, I took an offer from them for a summer internship, Doug, and I made more money in that summer internship than I did all year teaching school, which is both a funny and tragic story in, in in its own right.
0: So, so so then you ended up just going, you know what? If I can make this much in a summer, imagine what a full time yeah. gig would be.
1: Yeah. And all along, I, so I had turned my back on TV and radio, thought it was, you know, I, for me as a 23 year old, the only way at that time to make it, I mean, there was no internet, right? There was right. none, there was none of this, obviously. And the only way to make it was to be what I described as kind of a military life where you would be transferred from one station to another. You know, not really had to follow the jobs, travel. And that just wasn't my personality. that, that didn't fit with me. And all along, and I must say this, that one of the one of the driving mantras of my life, whether it was in TV, radio, pursuing, you know, the seminary for a year, teaching most definitely, and then in HR, was that for me, it's important to fulfill the meaning of life, you know, to to wrestle with and talk about why we are born. What in the world are we here for? And for me, Um, I sum it up in a little sentence that the meaning of life is that we must, that we're called to enter continually into the lives of others to make differences for the better. That's why we're born. Everything Mm -hmm. else flows from that, in my opinion, to enter into the lives of others to make differences for the better. So that's why seminary was interesting to me, priesthood, teaching certainly, and then in human resources, clearly I was able to do that, I think, uh, almost every day going to work.
0: Brilliant. So. You obviously had that background in uh, not only some appreciation for and experience in sharing your voice, also doing it with a uh, with more depth.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So then you get furloughed and now you're you're going, all right, well, technology, I don't have to go to a radio station. I don't need anyone's permission. I can set up. What was that like like when you got back on the mic and and did it just come right back to you or was there like, oh, okay, oh there's a lot of microphones now or you know, like the using the computer and, and all of that. How did that transition work for you? Was it like a yeah, duck to
1: water? It was it was it was a smooth one. I it is kind of like riding a bike. Yeah. I mean it, it a lot of it does come back to you. I think that people who endeavor to be in front of a camera or behind a mic, I mean they do if if they're if they're good, they have the ability to, you know, ad lib, to talk about their opinions, to um, to come across as articulate and so forth and not be afraid. There are a lot of people that are afraid of a microphone. You mm. see, you know, people in corporate meetings and so forth, when there's the big room and you, you hand them a mic and they just don't want to hold the mic. They don't want right. them, they, they want to just, they don't want to use it. Um, the technology is clearly different, but it was so easy really to get set up and just, you know, start your own podcast. Anybody obviously can do it. So I started a YouTube channel and and for several months, YouTube was very good to me. i got, it was monetized, Google AdSense. I would, you know, I would make six or 700 bucks a month and I thought that was beer money, right? Okay, mm-hmm. well, whatever. Now, or, you know, partial mortgage payments or partial car payments. But then I had, uh, you know, say what you will about Simon Parks. I like the guy. I had him on the show and it exploded. A million people watched that episode. Wow. That put me on the map. And then every episode that I did with or without Simon caught on in the message that I have, I think it's a combination, you know, at least from what I hear, the voice, the content, the personality, the way that you appear on camera, the way that you appear behind the mic. All of my shows are clearly rooted, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. about politics and social commentary. But I always try to inject a sense of hope and a sense of godly hope into the situations, about which i speak whether we're talking about administrator biden in his first 50 days in office or president trump or or whatever i always try to inject a little bit of that hope in in every show
0: and when you you obviously have had your opinions like everyone does and they are absolutely entitled to and and this is you know no not a judgment on anyone's opinion necessarily at this question other than to Wonder what was it like? Like you, you know, in the real world, you um, people a year ago may not have been as uh, sort of conf- I wouldn't say confrontational, but um, the, the the cancel culture was not as powerful then a year ago as it is now, and people are even more fearful to say anything that goes against that tide what was that like for you knowing even when you went into it they like you know i i have my beliefs and i'm rooted in them and i have them powerfully and it's great in my vacuum and the people i hang with i may have some people who disagree but it's never really a a, an issue to then getting into this public uh experience having it blow up and then blow back what was that experience like for you and and how did you navigate it
1: yeah so first of all i think that the conservative corner of the political arena from which I come is the majority opinion. I think that Mm -hmm. we are people that are conservative even if they don't even if they don't literally articulate themselves or describe themselves or define themselves as such. Most people in this country and around the world for that matter I can tell you I get messages from almost every country they all are in alignment with the conservative movement so I think that most people are to a degree conservative. In other words they believe in God They believed that the founding fathers and God himself through his own divine intervention and divine providence had a a role in founding this republic. So I felt like I had lots of company, uh, that I was not alone in in speaking, you know, shouting from a mountaintop to a vacant audience. YouTube proved me right, Um, at least again, for me, you know, there are many people with more than 200,000 subscribers uh, on YouTube, for example. But that's what I had. So uh, there are many people that have more. Mm -hmm. But for me, that that was good for me. And there were millions in January and February, you know, 5 million people tuned into the channel. Uh, And then YouTube cancels us because, of course, we're conservative. We're flying over the target, so to speak. I am not a controversial figure. I give people a platform, and there have been controversial people on my show, and I give them a platform that's not censored. And I always recommend to people that... if you take simon parks for example i I happen to personally like simon parks now uh, some people uh, love him some people he's not their cup of tea but i don't censor simon when he comes on and he gives his information and i always encourage people to to do their research for me after having have it all blow up in, in a good way and then to be canceled was a sigh of relief almost in a way clearly it was disappointing because you think well shoot all of that work that i did for that past year is now gone. And, but then on the other side of that coin, it was only a year, <laughs> just okay. one year. I mean, it just happened within so very quickly. So we created a website and now I can I can speak my opinion without having to feel like I, I have to walk on eggshells and big tech can't censor us anymore. So for me, it, it all came together quite nicely and I feel like uh, we're in a good space. I feel, you know, we're trying to get the people that were over on YouTube to find us again and to, uh, you know, go over to dougbillings.us and, and find us again, but I feel, you know, I, I feel like it all came together. There was a TV deal in the mix. We can talk about that mm-hmm, if you want to. Sure. Things have begin have begun to click in a very good way, and I am blessed and and give, you know, all the thanks to God for all of that.
0: Amen. Now the to get up to two hundred thousand subscribers what was your strategy because you were in hr it's not like you were this techie person who was already a social media guru that's an accomplishment in and of itself what was your key to success In also going from like zero to hero in in that amount of time is tremendous what were you doing and
1: how would you go about like creating that you know, first of all, we we have to be wise enough when we look and we think about things that we are doing to realize that it's not really me. It's not the show and the success of the show is not necessarily me. it's It's the message itself that mm. there is a hunger and a desire in America and around the world. I'm telling you. i I've seen people, their messages that they send me uh, that is 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 a need and a thirst for the conservative message. It's the message of conservatism and the message of hope that is is drawing people to the show it um to it you know can anybody do it maybe not does it depend on a person's personality their literal voice the quality of the voice The, does it does it matter about what they look like i i don't think that's necessarily true i think the conservative message is what draws people and with all due humility i think it's it's that because with regards to the conservative message, what's in there, what's on the good side, what's on the right side is God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I truly believe it in my soul. And I think that when you have passion and something about which you believe firmly, people go, wait a minute, did you hear that? There's something different about this. There's something different in that message. No one else has quite said it like that before. And they begin then to listen and word of mouth and telling, hey, you got to check this out. You got you to gotta hear this. and And then people, you know, Thankfully, they they share the message. So, conservatism, the message that it contains, is a natural draw to people because it is the good, it, and we are drawn to the good. And that message, I think, is why the show is successful. I, so
0: powerful. I think that um, you know, I I look back at when I've been in my magic speaking and and working in that capacity, teaching essentially, you know, personal development, professional development it is i'm connected to something else it's not me it's it it's it is the message it is you know dare i say divine support and guidance um and it's it's powerful and, and i appreciate your humility in in recognizing that when we are on uh on our mission and it's aligned and congruent we are we're going to create the level of success necessary to touch move and inspire and have the impact that we're you know we're shooting for, um, so I mean I man I'd like to take this in so many directions. Let's talk about a little bit. I want I want to celebrate the fact that you've taken this to now another level. You said you have now uh, television opportunity. Um, what's that, and when when can we uh, be tuning in?
1: Right. So I, I signed a deal earlier this month uh, with Beck TV. I went up. It's in a TV station Beck B-E-K.news. dot News is the, uh, the the organization that I signed a, a contract with, it's some terrestrial television in the northern United States, but then cable, a co op of cable stations that, that reaches throughout the country. Um, and so I'm on I'm on there. The deal is good. We've signed the deal a couple of a few weeks ago. Uh, and within three months, um, you know, millions of people, three, 4 million people, I already have cable ratings. They tell me that's unheard of that's awesome. you know, after only three weeks. You're, you're actually rated. You have that many people watching that you've, you've picked up Nielsen ratings. So- Congratulations. I, I mean, flabbergasted. It's absolutely incredible. A, a good friend of mine, a buddy of mine, Chad Prather, who was in this business, he was and has been and continues to be so helpful to me. He gave me a, a, a big break by by putting me on his show, coming on my show. He introduced me to Glenn Beck a couple of weeks ago down in Dallas. Uh, it's just been phenomenal. I've had General Flynn on, and he likes the show. He's told me that, you know, he thinks this is the voice of the new conservative movement. He's agreed to come on once a month. Sidney Powell, we're going to all be speaking together in Dallas uh, in May. It, it's, Doug, it's just, uh, it's it's the message. It's the conservative message that people are hungry to hear about, and uh, it, it's really taken off. So, it's amazing awesome. I mean, brilliant
0: congratulations. Um, one of the things that uh, you know as I was ruminating over uh, some of our conversations and and how to um, really just be a voice of reason in a time when people are getting quite unreasonable and uh, how like, how have you addressed and challenged uh, or stepped up against the challenge of people who have such differing opinions that it sometimes feels like conversation can't even occur? That there is like how how do you address that? Because I think though, like it's finding that ground of getting people while we have there's most people are, I believe they they hopefully have common sense and that they can put things together. And yet it seems like a lot of focus is being put on some unreasonable, somewhat nonsensical um, conversation that seems to be treated as if it makes sense. So how do you address that? And when you're speaking with someone, what has been some of your strategies to, uh, to hopefully find some common ground?
1: Right, good question, and it's you know it's different. The way that you approach people in person is a lot different than I would present an opinion on my show, for right. example. Um, I, I, you know, on our show, you know, I make it a, one of the taglines is that we point out the intellectual immaturity of liberals, and although that's meant to be tongue in cheek and somewhat funny, I hope there's certain truth to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll highlight and try to answer your question by giving you an example of, about. About that, with a with an issue that's currently happening in the United States. So, Administrator Biden, and I—he's not the president. In case anybody—he's he is Administrator Biden. In my book, I do not call him president. And so, people, you know, up in arms, you know, and so forth. In in the last 50 days of his presidency, he's done something at our southern border that, although the liberals will say immigration. For, I'm going to talk to you about immigration for just a couple yeah, of minutes, not of very long, just to highlight your question and to try to answer it. The liberals will tell us that open open borders, open immigration alleviates human suffering. It gets rid of all of the human suffering. We're going to take all of these people and we're going to give them free stuff. The, the liberal mantra of, you know, free college, free clothing, not only for the citizens of the country, but for all of the illegals that come across as well. And they do that under the guise of easing humanitarian burden or erasing humanitarian crises. Well, when it's really the opposite that's true, and if you were to look at it logically, open borders doesn't decrease or eliminate human suffering. It increases it because we, we fool ourselves into thinking with the current crisis going on in Texas right now at the Southern border, that our side is in charge of who's coming across. That's not true. These people don't make it to the United States border because of anything that we do in our government. It's the drug cartels and MS-13 that determine who's going to come across this border and the people that do make it have paid a hefty price. Usually their children, giving up their children to the drug traffickers, the pornography traffickers, human trafficking, and human suffering increases thousands of times over when we open up the borders, when there's no plan, when anybody can just come in here without having to apply for asylum. And the, and the detention centers in Texas where these people are processed, these children, and I'll speak just to that, over 100,000 unaccompanied minors since Biden has taken over have come into the United States. Now that's unexcusable. And they're at 797% capacity. That is human suffering. There is nothing being, you know, human suffering is not being eliminated. So that to answer your question, is how I, now, I'm animated right now about it because I have a high degree of passion. Mm-hmm. If I'm in front of someone in this room in my office in the studio, I'm much more calm and I'm, and I'm but I still point these things out. Right. I don't get as animated. So we have to be able, you know, one side one thing the other side does very well is they get loud mm-hmm. and they're in your face and they will drive their message and they will cancel you if you don't believe it. Now, our side won't do that and we shouldn't do that, but we have to confront illogical means and illogical administration policies with logic and with intellectual maturity yeah
0: the the challenge that we're having in that like when you shared like the intensity and and so forth i i think of like a the the pendulum Right. So like there's always that argument, you know, that some will make like, well, you know, the the one side, it goes, it swings to one side and then it swings to the other. And, you know, it's like uh, to be expected. And the challenge I see with this is it's getting so intense that it's like a pencil and it's swinging. But what's going to happen is it is going to break. And I believe that it's shattering already, that there are shards of. Um, sadly, the sanity falling apart, falling away. Um, and if I could back it up, and, and I wouldn't necessarily call this of a, a religious or whatever, but just kind of a human, like we're talking about humanitarian. Um, if we were to take a step back and, and do our best, this is how I approach it in my own way, is, is look at the outcome. Like and in, we can bring it to immigration, but let me just go to guns for a moment. And I, I with full disclosure, I am a, a gun owner. I'm licensed. I have I've been my entire life. I don't believe. I like to think. I don't believe that the anti-gun people are thinking to themselves you know it would be great is if we could take away all the guns so that we could then control them like i think the average person is not the average anti-gun person the you know the the person who just doesn't understand guns and the relationship to the second amendment and the purpose and all of that like they could twist it all they want but i think in their hearts they genuinely want safety like they genuinely for whatever reason their their misinformed experience that guns kill people their fear based response is with a positive intent. If we eliminate guns, no one will get hurt by guns. Conversely, the NRA and, and all that, they're not thinking, you know, it would be great if everyone could have guns and kill people. Like they're not thinking that either. So if we can have more of a positive intent and then look at the, 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 the purpose behind it so if we could then look at immigration and step back and go okay those of you the average person i'm not getting into the powers that be just in this context the average person who wants to defend the opening of the borders may genuinely think and want the these people to have the same opportunities that we have here and and so forth and the people who are saying, oh, oh, hold on, are just going, yeah, we want the same. We also understand that there is a consequence in cost and that if we don't like do this in a way that is sustainable we're going to have a whole set of unintended consequences and like t- to have that conversation it just seems like it's it, we've gotten so ideological rather than just going oh what's the purpose here what what do we really want to happen i'm a family my family came from ireland and england i'm not uh, you know like uh, my my grandfather was uh, the quintessential irish cop Like that was, you know, what he did, but he went through the process. I wonder how we could create a conversation that put purpose over process in a way that then we could have a, a real sort of conversation about like, Hey, do you lock your doors when you leave your house? I mean, do you just leave your car and let anyone take it? Say, oh, you know, it's just oh, for everybody. Like, we don't do that. So how, how is it that it's become this idea that it doesn't apply to our house, but it does apply to the border? We lock our doors, but we don't, like, because you can't go to other countries. You just can't walk into another country the way, like, they you know, you can't, we can't take care of you.
1: Yeah, and, and you can't vote like you can here either. You need a legal ID in other countries to vote to. It. So the the answer to your question lies in a group of people that are controlling now the Communist Socialist Party. The, the Democratic Party of John F. Kennedy does not exist anymore. So, and you've mentioned two groups. So I agree with you that, you know, on Main Street USA, John and Sarah Parker, who are lifelong Democrats, um, don't hold and espouse the views that the minority who have taken over their Democratic Party, the Communist Socialists, hold. So for example, um nancy pelosi chuck schumer adam schiff the squad aoc certainly all of them you know elizabeth warren bernie sanders they are commu socialists they are not democrats they have blended communism and socialism together and so i refer to them as the commu socialist party they are a minority opinion in this country but they have captured the majority of the attention and they have driven cancel culture and they do want to take your guns doug this group of people they want to
0: take
1: your guns, John and Sarah Parker on Main Street USA who are Democrats align exactly with how you've described them. Uh, they want to be safe. They would prefer not to have a gun in their house, but they don't want to intrude on somebody else who has guns or who's a hunter or whatever. But the communist socialists, the different, the elected officials in office desperately want control and they go about control in three primary ways. One is opening the borders. They want, the people coming across the border in their view are simply this, new additions to their electoral bases. And they will be giving them truckloads of ballots. You can count on it. Here, for the price of admittance, for all of this free stuff we're gonna give you, clothes, medical care, education, fill out this box of ballots and give it to that guy in the white van. He's got several dozen suitcases of them and he's gonna deliver them for you. But have your friends fill these out. now. That's a true. That's really what they view these people as and, new electoral based membership.
0: And what, the- what I find interesting, and I, it, it, to that point, is all the people who came over wearing shirts, <laughs> They're like endorsing it on in the on the like on the way, like yeah. preemptively stating their allegiance. And I, one can argue, well, it's because they were told to give it. It doesn't matter. The outcome is the same um so i just wanted to point that out that it's that's evident right just by their behavior
1: yes and then they they have key allies in all of this the mainstream media black lives matter antifa both of which are domestic terror groups but they're allies and so you know we saw last summer the burning of america this was the electoral base of the communist socialist party make no mistake about it they they are on the streets burning america now they're 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 a minority not 2%, not 2% of the people in this country identify with either Black Lives Matter or Antifa, but yet they are violent, they're loud, they're organized and they represent the cancel culture and the the burning of America. They have no intention. If they, they talk about fundamentally transforming America, they are not lying about that. They want to fundamentally transform it and they want to burn it and they want to erase and rewrite its history. We saw evidence of that last year and I've said evidence of the obvious is sufficient. The Commune Socialist Party, all of those people in Washington who are elected and who identify with this movement are no longer members of an American political party. How can they be? All they want to do is burn it.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's really unfortunate to see all this pain in the world and, and what people are driven to do because... Um, I, I would like to think and and hope that a lot of the members of uh, the people doing that are are obviously frustrated they're angry they're in pain they're looking unfortunately for someone to blame instead of taking personal responsibility for their lives and for their situation um, and you know again we just, teach a man to fish rather than give them a fish I think there's some profound experience there and I, I don't you know the the purpose uh, i feel like my purpose in some respects is to offer whatever sort of mindset shifts to look at personal responsibility and step away when someone says hey why don't you go blame that person you go well, oh hold on like if i do that then i'm indebted to them and then i then then i have no opportunity for advancement
1: you're the the ray of hope in this doug and in, in so we, we have to be able to look at the dirt and the muck and the horror of it all, as I described just, you know, a moment ago with what we saw last summer, for example, right? Horrible, tragic um, people who, who participated in that are really victims. And this is where the hope will eventually come in, I hope. Let me explain. The, the people that engaged in the burning, the toppling of statues, the confrontation of police officers, the, you know, all of it that we saw last summer. Really, it's rooted in two things. One, several generations of parents who gave them participation trophies for showing up and not teaching them how to work through challenges, adversity, and tragedies in life properly. Okay, and I'm serious about that. Participation trophy parents—it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. They, and and, you, and it, it goes much deeper than just you know kids' sports. It goes to teaching your children that nothing in life is free. That we that life is filled with tragedy, and here's how you overcome it. You don't overcome it. throwing a fit and then second of all the erosion of traditional family values is really I think the key problem in America it's it's the problem in the black community the white community whatever community the American community Uh, you know husbands men need to step up and be responsible parents and there's too many single families out there Uh, look and and I can tell you that from my perspective I'm a fallen human being I'm not if God were to come down and say let's make a line according to whoever has made mistakes in this life, I would be first in that line. It's not a matter of calling anybody perfect or being perfect, it's a matter of being a wounded healer and a servant leader to people. And if we let the cancel culture win, canceling is out, canceling traditional family values, which is the mantra, by the way, of the Black Lives Matter movement. They specifically say, traditional family values have got to go. Um, We we just need a return to that. And I think that's the hope that you're looking for. I think that the return to God, which is on the right side, we we guide people, we guide, you know, the Main Street Democrats who are out there and looking now at what they see from Administrator Biden is kind of like a, hey, this isn't what I voted for moment. And they begin to then transform away from what they see. We hope at least. Uh, Yeah. And and it's so
0: interesting. I look at one of the things that sometimes I will rely on when I'm confused is is nature, you know what God provided? and you know, nature is violent. Nature is like unforgiving yet so beautiful and graceful in cause and effect and natural consequences. And then I, I would even go to, you know the Bible again, in any of the old books, I, I would like to think in some respects the reason why they were shared the way they were was to show that that is part of life, that it wasn't saying this shouldn't happen, it was saying this happens. And it is our duty to negotiate our way through it, not prevent it. It, You know, that's like getting mad at the hurricane for coming, like hurricanes shouldn't come. Well, yeah, well, everyone would like to go, no hurricanes, it's not gonna happen. So it's an interesting, and I believe, you know, not only in the family, the breakdown of, of family values and a connection to the to God or, or the, the structure of religion, you know, is it perfect? Of course not. I was raised Catholic as well, and, and I have, you know, failed in many ways in, in so many respects. And that doesn't change the fact that there's messaging in there that can always be revisited and looked at and go, okay, well, wait a minute. what What is that really saying? Is it saying that this, you know, the, that utopia... Is supposed to exist? No. Heaven is a different experience. That is, requires a a sacrifice of a different level, and this woketopia that we're, you know, sort of looking at coming down our throats is, to me, and and again, this sounds like, I don't want to sound like woke, but if you're truly woke, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not godly. I'm 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 just a servant leader. If you're truly woke, then you wouldn't care what other people think. You, it, it's the opposite of woke. What's happening? You. It just is. It, the, that dichotomy is actually hard to reconcile. And I don't know how anyone can. It's just it's bizarre when you look at it from there. And and I look for the positive intent, and I see the positive intent. But this is where purpose over process could really come in handy at this point.
1: Right, yeah, there's, you know, four stories come to mind immediately when I hear you talk about this thing. And just real quickly, there was, there was a series of four stories that happened to a young man. He was he went through a divorce, he was a teacher, faced false accusations, and as a result of that, lost his job, went on to teach somewhere else, but lost his family in the process. Um, another time, he was diagnosed with cancer another time lost his fiance as they were hit by a drunk driver. Um, and, and then later in life, he had a child who was born who happened to have down syndrome, but yet there was blessings in that. All four of those stories are my stories, Doug. And and you know, you go through just from a high level tragedy, you know, what appeared to be tragedy at each of those moments in time turns out to be and this is I think where society in general needs to take a look at their own lives and their own situation, blessings waiting to be born are waiting for us in the challenges that we face. And so these kids today raised by the parent, you know, the participation trophy parents aren't taught how to cope. Um, they're, they're told that, don't worry, we'll take care of it for you. And, you know, the, the democratic communist socialist mantra, here, take this free stuff. We're gonna pay your college debt. We're gonna take, care. that doesn't build up human dignity and it doesn't make anybody feel any better. And what we do on the conservative side, the right side instead of thrusting our politics upon the society, or instead of canceling out people who disagree with us, we believe that we improve our inner self first. We become the best version of ourselves that we can be. And sometimes like me, it it may take a lifetime and we never quite get there. We slip, we stumble, we fall, we get back up. But when we begin to improve ourselves in time, what happens is the society in which we live begins to improve. That's the key, not thrusting politics on somebody, not canceling them out because they disagree. And then one final thought on that, we forget that the most important virtue ever given to us by God is love. And secondly, forgiveness. And love can't survive, Doug, unless we have the capacity to forgive. And I mean anybody. So, I'm I'm a divorced man. If I can't forgive my ex-wife, I will not be free to love anybody else completely. And so forgiveness is never easy. And it's never about the other person. It's about freeing ourselves. And when we forgive, we become then more capable of true love. And we have to imagine the worst possible scenario, uh, whatever they may, that may be in your own life with regards to forgiveness. But if there's somebody out there Um, And I always try to mention this in some of my shows. Pray for the people for whom you find it most difficult to love. That's the way that we improve the society and improve yourself along the way.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when we're having this conversation, when I sit back, I don't know if we, I shared the, after being on the road with Tony Robbins, I was recruited, my wife and I, to uh, work at a treatment center, a drug and alcohol treatment center. And- uh, we worked there for seven years, and we ran the clinical, ran the coaching program, ran the family program, and a lot of this looks very similar to addiction. The you know that that idea that it's it's really it's it's the victimhood. It's this like victimhood vacuum that is being created, and victim gets rewarded oftentimes. And this goes. I mean, this is, and I think to your point, this is just a. Um, a macrocosm of a microcosm that we had been experiencing so we got to the point where you know people get addicted to depression right the secondary gains like oh you're doing okay right and and then all of a sudden you feel like you're loved you're getting all this attention so now I could just be depressed all the time and, and we get addicted because someone comes and checks in on us or maybe we get, we're angry, we're pissed off about everything, and people are like, oh, you're gonna do it? Hey, you know what's you wanna talk about it, right? Again, we get, we, we actually get the illusion of love, to your point, our deepest need, and we end up running this cycle to get our needs, but it's not sustainable, so then, you know again I we could go down a whole conversation around how like the news you know we never had 24 hour news you know what 20 years ago and once we had that there was competition we had to get more extreme in order to get the attention to get the love so we're getting more extreme in our depression and anger and frustration and victimhood we're getting more extreme in the way we uh, share that information we have to be that shock value to hook people because otherwise no one's going to pay it attention I mean heck my show is kind of guilty of that because we're mostly feel good show and and we talk about like stuff like it's amazing I will post something like this will make it some more like attention because it's considerably more like controversial to some. But if I just have like some entrepreneur on who is, uh, you know, who's sharing, overcoming some obstacles and pivoting during, uh, you know, during COVID and how they lost everything and started over, you get, you know, some some interaction and some like, oh, wow, that was helpful. You post anything that could be construed as a political comment and there'll be like a string of people in their opinion. I'm like, wow, like there are people who are coming on giving their time and giving you nuggets and how you could change your life for the better. And you're more concerned with putting someone down for having a differing opinion than what yours is. And it's like, I mean, I just got to keep Cracking away at the hammer and, and keep spreading the love and and bring people brilliant people like yourself on who have overcome and and also are speaking, you know, you know I I'm not registered Democrat or Republican I refer to myself as a common sensitive I naturally I, I, I've always thought that it, it, like I grew up as I shared Roman Catholic my dad super conservative I was a rocker like and and I was your classic liberal. And in some senses, I may still be a classic liberal who believes that everyone deserves the opportunity to live their life. Like, I'm a libertarian. That's really, I guess, if anything. I was going
1: to say, that's not a liberal point of view there, Doug.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess. And, and maybe that's that's always how I felt. And, and I just, growing up in the entertainment world, everyone was, not everyone, but large portions, very liberal, very all of that. So it kind of fit into that because I never, I was like, go ahead, you feel what you want. Like, I'm, I also have my other friends and like, we all could hang out and have opinions and they could differ and and that was okay and I think we had to, we said this the other day and I remember it was on Family Guy because it was just funny the way Peter Griffin says it whatever the person's opinion was was well I disagree but uh, I will fight to the death for your right to say it like when what happened to that yeah. and, and what happened to sticks and stones like sticks and stones will break your bones but names will never hurt me I, I I don't know how in a world where everything is all about comments and, and putting stuff on Facebook and all that and likes and not liking that it became like well you could only say nice things because if you disagree that's a microaggression against me and that hurts my feelings ergo you can't say that I, I even know how that happened
1: I think it's part of the you know dichotomy of of the internet and and you know the ability to comment anonymously you know from from your home office from your living room from your kitchen basement whatever uh i can you know people can lob insults just and in completely anonymous you might see my screen name but you don't know you don't know me you don't know who i am and i can say whatever i want and and so we all you know we have this incredible thing called the internet and podcasting and you and i you know you in florida me in in the kansas city area we're, we're talking to each other face-to-face and that's a good thing uh, but part of the negative of, about of the technology is that although we've never had the ability to be closer in so many ways we've never been further apart
0: yeah well it reminds me of uh, that line it was jeff goldblum uh, in jurassic park like you know well we we created that technology you know the technology but we never asked should we yeah go forward with this technology and i think this is where wisdom is uh, unfortunately sadly a little lost in um like at well just as an example the whole covid response like the the second they started closing stuff down i I was like whoa whoa, 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 hold on there's going to be some you know unintended consequences here that need to be addressed like Mental health issues, like addiction, people. Are re- I know more people who relapsed, overdosed, and died than died of COVID. I, I don't even know if I know anyone personally who died of COVID, but I do know many people who have died from overdoses.
1: You're exactly right, and they have, um you know, right out of the the communist socialist playbook. You can actually read it, chapter eight, verse twelve. You're kidding, <laughs> but they do have a playbook, and you know part of that playbook is let no good crisis go to waste and if there is no crisis let's create one and so they have done a brilliant job i my tip my hat if you're a, if you're a communist socialist and if your intent was to wreck an economy for no good reason they've done it and they've uh, in the wake of all of that have shattered human lives the hopes and dreams of high school kids we had kids on our show talking about hopes dreams you know athletic scholarships uh, academic scholarships theater scholarships music scholarships all of that dashed you know biden gave a speech the other day you know uh, and said weddings birthdays all of this were canceled well they didn't have to be the, the wreckage of the economy to your point killed more people than the virus ever will and for all of the people that look at the number 600,000 or whatever it's up to now and think that those are covid deaths they're either intellectually immature or just plain stupid. I mean, and there's no nice way to put it. There's no way in God's green earth that 600,000 people have died from COVID. If you're going to say COVID was the primary cause, you're probably looking at about 60,000 people, which is a heavy flu season. Well, it was, it, it was the wreckage, wrecked economies kill people. It's that simple. Opened and thriving economies save lives.
0: Well, and I, I believe the, the actual average number of deaths for 2020, it's not more than 2019, so it's. It, You're right. So it have like in order for that to actually hold water, there would have to be a, a huge increase of other deaths, right. and there's not. Um, yeah. So like again, we're kind of go. Well, Let can we just take a step back and just just and I think that the. The challenge has become, and and we know this, there are a lot of people who, like you shared, have an opinion but are afraid to say it because they're afraid they're going to break rapport with their friends or they're going to lose their job or they're going to be, you know, like, I, I don't know how that could possibly be the case these days. Unfortunately, it is because people have gotten so okay with that like that should not be okay for anybody like on i because it just it it boggles my mind because if you really cared about people you would then go okay well let me look at that from your perspective let me let me understand why you're thinking that so oh okay i get it i don't agree with the process that you're going down but that's like also getting mad at someone for taking the scenic route when you're in the passenger car and you're getting someone like, no, you have to go on the highway. Like, no, I, well, I'm going the back roads. I like the, you know, I like the water view. And it's like getting mad at them for doing that. It's like, oh, I don't really, we're still getting to the end, which is our happiness, our joy, our peace, our prosperity. Right.
1: I, I, I think that, you know, in your, in your line of work, Doug, you, you obviously rub shoulders with the celebrity class and you are in, in that world Um, We we clearly want to be on on the right side. We want to be cordial. We want to be open-minded to opinions, but we also have to be mindful of the truth. It's not us on the right side that would cancel someone's career or livelihood, the way they make a living, simply for posting their truthful opinion on a social media platform. Uh, Gina, I'm I'm gonna forget her last name, from the Mandalorian comes to mind. You know, posts a, a factual tweet and she's canceled. Um, so we, we while we want to be reasonable, polite, uh, cordial, whatever, that's what the right side does, we we have to be brave enough to call out diabolical um, people, diabolical intent when we see it. And again, the small minority of the celebrity class is and you know, is is what's cancelling out the majority of opinions. And boy, In your industry in the entertainment industry there is i'm i'm convinced it's a microcosm of what the general population is i'm almost certain there's far more conservative entertainers than there are liberal ones but the liberal ones make all the noise
0: i clearly the the i mean (laughs) we could go even back to uh to to quote hitler right what did he say you say uh, a lie crazy enough loud enough and long enough people will start believing it And now, again, so let me back this up to my my personal development world. That's how we, as humans, run. We tell a lie crazy enough, loud enough, and often enough to ourselves. I'm not good enough. I can't make that happen. We do all of this. And then, unfortunately, we have other people agreeing. And going, oh yeah, you know that's yeah, that's, that's tough. Oh, that's horrible. Oh boy! And then we go. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting some positive reinforcement because the, you know, remember the old days when the coach was the the hard ass who was like, you know, like, you know, basically turning the screws to to push you harder and hold you. And at at first, like Miyagi, perfect example, Mr. Miyagi, brilliant story. Danielson, go wax on, wax off, do the whole fence, right? And he and. Like, th- at first, he's getting all pissed off. He's like, ah, oh, you know, and then he shows him why the hard work was necessary. And somewhere along the lines, you know, the, the, the trophy parents or the participation trophy parents, I get it. You want to love your kids. The positive intent is, oh, you know, make them feel good and all of that. But, you know, we, we actually rob them of genuine esteem by not giving them the opportunity to, because if we keep this up, our children will never walk because it sucks learning how to walk. You fall, you get hurt, you could, you know, it's scary, you're riding a bicycle. I mean, I went through this with our daughter, teaching her how to ride a bicycle. And she was like, hold me, hold me, hold me, right? And and it's like, no. if I hold you the whole time, you're never going to learn how to ride the bicycle. And her pride when she finally did it, and like, oh, you know, now she wants to ride all the time. I don't want to rob her of that in the rest of her life. You know, there's going to be, while we want to soften things, and that's where I get into the addiction similarity, is one of the challenges that we dealt with with the families was the softening of consequences, natural consequences, which prevented the person from actually doing what they needed to do. Every time you bail them out, every time you 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 know pay that bill, pay the cell phone, you do all that, they don't learn and they get addicted to the support.
1: You 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 say addicted and I agree with that. That's a good well put, well said and it's well met. I I agree with it. I I have said that they're actually enslaved and you know I use it when I when I speak about the commune socialist free stuff. We're going to we're going to take care of your, all we're going to take care of all of your needs. All of this free stuff. What they're doing is enslaving people to dependency upon the government it's it really is that simple well and,
0: and i don't even have fourteen hundred dollars that doesn't go very far no matter how much you make which is why of course some people are like oh we this should be forever well again i just, just pragmatist here where is that going to come from like i, I just i don't get it you just can't no, no. take like fruit off the tree it's got to grow back
1: Right, not only where it's going to come from, which is obviously the the first question and the best question, where is it going to come from? But also, what's the long-term effect? And again, the party, the Communist Socialist Party, is all about you know, they we will we will we will deliver human dignity. We are going to restore the dignity of the human being through our platform, pu- through whatever policies they they put forward. Well, that's a lie, and it's absolutely not true. Their policies of free stuff of everybody come across, you know, unchecked, unfettered, come on in. As we said at the beginning of the show, Doug, it, it destroys human dignity. It doesn't build it up. And to your point about, you know, this life, I'm convinced of one thing. God intended this life to be filled with wonder, joy and meaning. I really believe that in my soul and giving free stuff and taking care of other people's problems without have, teaching them how to deal with them prevents them from God's ultimate dream for us, experiencing the wonder, the joy, and the meaning that he's giving us in this life. And I, and again, I mean that at just as, as purely as I'm sitting here speaking with you. It, This life is an incredible gift. It's an incredible pack-filled life with all of the wonder, joy, and meaning that we can possibly get, but we have to be able to get it ourselves to earn it, to live it, to fail and succeed. Life is intended to be a series of failures and successes. It's not meant to be perfect and designed. And the brilliance of the design of all of that is that on the other side of a tragedy, for example, is new life and new appreciation for what we have in life. I've, I've likened it. You know, I speak to people who go through a divorce. And it's very much like, if you ever watch the nature channels, for example, a volcano and the lava, how it slowly creeps over the landscape, burning and scorching everything in its path. Well, that's, that's our lives in a lot of ways when we go through a tragedy. Mm-hmm. We feel like we're scorched earth. But if you keep on watching those nature shows, what you notice is after the lava cools, new life begins to grow up through it. And that new life is more fertile than the life that was there before. And that can be our lives with proper perspective if we're just taught that tragedy can be blessing and not to throw a fit when things like that happen. The fertility of failure. Ah, yes. Cause if you look at, I mean, I I do a lot of, you know,
0: in my coaching and stuff, I have an exercise that's basically the failure into feedback. And that the truth is anything that anyone has mastered, they sucked at Much more than they succeeded at, certainly at first, until they got their 10. That's why, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours. Like, those 10,000 hours are, you know, 999, you know, 9,999 of them are screwing up. Yeah. So that you go, oh, and, and and that's the challenge as well. I wish people would do, you know, like this, this is why it's so scary about how we're destroying history and all is that if you go and like interview and talk to people who make it look really easy. What you find out is all the struggle that it took for them to get to like as a speaker, you know, when I speak on stage. I've got 20,000 hours. It looks I make it look really easy with humility. I don't do a lot of things really well. But like doing personal development, doing breakthrough experiences, speaking, holding seminars, that's my jam. And it it makes it looks really easy for some. But I literally traveled around the country and did it for, you know, it's 10, 12 years every single day, 10, 12 hours a day. If I don't have some skill at that, I, I mean, certainly have another issue. But like what people don't realize is when they see someone making it look really easy, they don't realize how much work I, or someone who succeeded in business. Like, oh, what they, they don't go around always telling you, well, I, I actually cashed in my 401k to invest in this, or I, you know, all these crazy things that people did, And, you know, then they go, the worst thing I think happened, the two things, two points that I I witnessed and just from my humble vision is one, demonizing the successful, worst thing ever, because that it takes away all incentive to be successful because you other than consciously program someone to despise success, which means you will sabotage yourself before you get there. And second is language. How cleverly and, I, and this we just look from the outside you why well, that's actually pretty brilliant. and I'll go all the way back to Obamacare. It went from insurance to health care. It used to be insurance. It used to be our like a car insurance. You I, I take care of my car. I don't want to use my insurance, so I don't drive into things. I do my best not to, you know, damage the car because I don't want to use my insurance because I know my rates will go up. All of a sudden, they change the language from personal responsibility to an entitlement of health care. And people went for it hook, line and sinker. They're like, oh, well, well, you know, we we deserve health care. Like, well, yes, you do need to have some support and you are responsible for it. And if an organization is willing to make that part of your salary, great, but I'm an entrepreneur, which means I pay my salary and I pay my insurance. It's not like that doesn't mean you don't take care of yourself. Like and, and so it's it's just such a weird position to be in watching language get shifted around. Like even like I used I said one time I pointed out corporate fascism, like kind of what big tech is doing. And the person's response was like, no, no, it's not fascism because uh, fascism is, you know, about one race thinking they're better than, and I'm like, no, fascism was the tool they used to make that their reality. But the, the, the outcome, like really we're gonna, is this how you're going to use the language and say, well, it's not happening because it's just different words. And I think we need to be really careful about how you know, people are being manipulated by the changing of definitions, um, which is scary because the, the words, you know, people say words have power and they do. The pen is mightier than the sword in this respect. Like that's what, what was meant. Not, oh, I'm going to write something bad about you and it's going to hurt your feelings. No, if it, takes you out of the business if it cancels you if that that is the problem if you're so like if someone says something mean to you and you're like "oh uh, like it's different than well we're going to actually use this to prevent you from making a living or having the impact or you know like there's that it's just mind-boggling how it's gotten that far All right
1: Yep, no, words are words matter. Words are important. Definitions are important. They, they not only with just the words themselves, they've they've begun to change the very definition of men and women. You know, the transgender men can now compete in women's sports. and It's an assault on women everywhere and every woman should be offended uh, but they've done it.
0: Hey, and, and so, like, whenever I hear someone have that argument and I, I'm like, look, I'm not I'm not judging the person's position or how they feel this isn't that we just like where does the legislation become appropriate like i, I like masking like uh, florida is a great example like if you walk around florida i would say that it, it's kind of gotten to the point for the most part where people who want to wear the masks wear them and the people who don't don't and that's kind of the way it's been for for many many months at this stage
1: it's good i mean because i mean let's be truthful doug The the mask has never words are important the mask has never been about your health the mask was political signaling it is political signaling it's a capitulation to the mob and at the time it was a sign of animus towards president trump that's all the mask ever was I
0: yeah and the fact is is that it, when people given the choice the the numbers didn't change as a matter of fact one might argue the numbers are better in florida than in some other states because for the most part, people are given a choice. Like, look, you wanna wear a mask, wear a mask. I don't care, that, that, that's your thing. You know, you see people driving with masks on and, you know, part of you may go, well, that's weird. But then the other part's like, well, God bless them. If they, if they feel good, who cares? You know, like, you wanna wear purple hair and all that? I do that myself, like, cool. Like, that's totally, totally cool. And if you don't, totally cool. Like, you love the person, for who they are, respect them for their, the journey they're on. If they want some support, great. Like the survival of my wife and I's marriage, and it's not that it needs to be survival, but like the success of it is we have a no coaching, yep. no unsolicited coaching policy. We're both strong-willed coaches. So we learned pretty early, well, maybe we should just, when we want the advice, let's ask for it. Good, that's good. Yeah, that should be the way it is and the way it was in life. Like we don't legislate like what words you use. We're not gonna take pronouns out of the dictionary it, or, or out of the vernacular. You just go, okay, well, you know, I, like whatever, you know, like it. it it's like kind of a, like, why are we having this conversation? This isn't like, do you think so less little of me that I can't make my own decision on how to treat you? I treat you with love and respect, period and most people do when given the opportunity the challenge becomes when people are forced to do stuff like i know for me my natural opposition defiance comes up and i'm like oh like this gets uncomfortable for me because it it gets my gander up and i need to stop back myself too and be like okay hold on let me just not
1: lose it Well, we'll have to begin to tackle the uh, the communist socialist notion of the whole my body my choice issue with regards to everything because if you know vaccines pregnancies uh political policies whatever it's all it's a sound bite because uh we you know my body my choice is only my body my choice if the communist socialists say that's the choice you should choose there is no free choice but a topic for another day perhaps
0: well yeah well, I, I guess what's so mind-boggling and it's unfortunate because I, I so many people i know are brilliant sometimes don't see that hypocrisy and, and they're able to compartmentalize and contextualize it in a way that they can reconcile that makes no sense. And I'll, I'll leave you this one thought. Again, we're not it, it, kind of on there. Biden said the other day about the filibuster that he was supporting the, the pain of it and leaning towards, you know, uh, not having it because that's what would save the democracy, and I, I just, I, when he said that and I'm like, why isn't everybody going, whoa, 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 hold on. Like what you're suggesting is the only way democracy can exist is through totalitarian leadership, which is the opposite of the like, and we're a republic. So you don't even like, even now you don't even understand like the the, the importance and the brilliance of our structure. And I get it, you know, if you, the short-sightedness, and and maybe this is the the maturity part that you're sharing as well. Six-year-olds expect things for nothing because they don't understand money. They don't understand, like, what it takes to create value and create an exchange. When you get older, and I guess that's the normal progression. uh, Do you remember the joke? I don't remember it offhand with my dad tells this joke about, a little kid who's uh, who's show, like raking the leaves or something, and then uh, the oh, I can't remember the thing. And basically, the the kid learns that if you give your money to someone else for not doing the work, um, you know, like no, I don't want to do that. And then the dad's like, "Well, welcome to the Republican Party." Then uh, and I, I can't remember the joke. I don't know if you remember it, but it's a, a basically exemplifying the the normal exchange. And look to be fair, both sides have their issues, right? I mean, it's like to to assume for any liberal to assume that all Republicans are like, you know, uh, corporate, whatever, rich jerks or whatever their beliefs are. And conversely, all people who are liberal, I think are another, you know, like I think casting those generalizations is, you know, is not fair to the individual. So that's where the problem is becoming because so many people are making such broad strokes. And I, I, which again goes back to the opposite of what the purpose of our country was built on was individual liberties, not collective liberties. We're not, meaning group wise, um, like that we we are collectively Americans who have the right to pursue happiness and liberty not provide it for each other per se. Because we're not and we're not in that spot yet, meaning we haven't created such a level of consciousness that we're able to live that way. It's you know, I think that's that's where heaven is
1: I I I, I like what you're saying. I like the way that you think. And I, I will say because I believe it and you know I don't know how much time we have left, but I, I, uh, to you, I, as a as a parting comment. Then I would say this, and I, I'm going to be a little tongue in cheek with you, Doug, but I, but I believe what I'm about to tell you, and that is the conservative side of things. The traditional conservative movement in America provides the ability for everybody, no matter where you were born, no matter who your parents are, no matter what kind of situation into which you were born, provides you the opportunity to find the wonder and the joy and the meaning that God fully intends us all to experience in this life, that it creates happier people. And all you have to do, evidence of the obvious is sufficient for me with regards to this. You look at the, look at what, and this is where I will get a little tongue in cheek and it brings a smile to my face, but look at, conser- look at look at the liberals, look at anybody who you imagine as a true liberal, and then look at some people that you think are conservatives. You can tell that the liberals are miserable people. They're just not happy. Uh, I, I can tell it, I can breathe, I can sense it. Um, they, are, they are so consumed with thrusting their own opinion and their own politics upon us that they just lose sight of the fact that if they would just focus inward, take care of themselves first and improve themselves and teach others how to do that, they would be happier. And I, and I, I believe it. And I people will rail upon me perhaps. Uh, liberals are genuinely and mostly Nothing is ever an absolute, but mostly they are unhappy.
0: I, and I, I wonder if chicken or the egg, I wonder if a lot of people started out unhappy and found a tribe of, you know, Misery Loves company and it created...
1: Look at the vitriol that they spew out. You can go back and play through your memory clip in your brain last year when... Maxine Waters, Cory, Cory Booker, all of them were telling their followers, their constituents, to get in the face of conservatives, go confront them. Their faces were so contorted with evil and anger. You know, you will, I will, we will take Trump out. We will take him out. Go get in their face. You hammer them. Whenever you, whenever you see them, you swarm them and get, you know, and you know, people like Rand Paul and his wife couldn't walk home from a from the State of the Union, and they were attacked and by by a mob. Thank God the police force was there. Uh, genuinely happy, godly people don't behave the way that the elected members of the Communist Socialist Party behave.
0: Yeah, what I found is the the people who are truly happy take personal responsibility for their happiness, for their and they add value. They're always looking at opportunities to to add value, how can I create, there's what they're thinking, how can I create opportunity that yes, I want to benefit from. There's nothing wrong with creating something that then adds value to someone else and then an exchange abundance comes upon you. And unfortunately, that is lost as well these days. And um, again, to that point, the more personal responsibility we could take and support others of doing so, I think, you know, that is really a, that's a conservative mindset in, in so many terms. Um, and this gets back to just purpose over process. It doesn't matter, you know, it's, it, how we get things done. And that's the thing. Here's what's really interesting. If you look at any success in your life, it didn't happen the way you thought it was going to happen. We have to be open and creative. Go, oh, OK, this is going to be cool. So, you know, maybe the the opportunity here and we could leave on this is to what you shared earlier, to continue to look for the hope, the blessings, um, you know, what the have the wisdom to change the things we can and the things we can't let it go and do what we we can to be the best version of ourselves, to love and honor and respect everybody and not let things continue to spiral out of control because it certainly feels like uh, if we don't start stepping back a little we we're going to do even more irreparable harm to to ourselves in the long run.
1: Doug, I can't thank you enough for the time today. I, I want to before we say goodbye I want to make sure that everybody hears me say this Our Republic is fine. The United States of America is going to be good We, we God founded us with this divine providence and inspiration. Founding Fathers, we are we are not on our deathbed. Uh, we we may be in a bit of a nightmare right now, but but the, the the paradox is that there are because of what we're going through now, many people are awakening to um, the fact that that's not what they signed up for. We're fine. God is still with us. There is still abundance of joy, wonder, and meaning in this life, and uh, it's there for the taking uh, with proper perspective. And I think people like you, um, who and doing what you do and helping get the message of hope out from various people, various backgrounds, various different walks of life and, and careers. I really um, want everyone to hear me tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. And keep it up, my brother, keep it up.
0: Uh, and and you too, we we just we need to stay strong and, and continue to just live with love, honor, and respect and savor the joy and also appreciate the challenges because that's part of life. Uh, okay. so dude, I love you for who you are and who you aren't. Do you want to, well, I'll put in the contents, uh, your website and all of that. Uh, and, yep. uh, let's, you know, keep the flow going. Anything I can do to support you further, uh, please allow me the, the privilege to, uh, to do so.
1: Let's reach out. Yeah. Let's, let's keep in touch, Doug. And let's, uh, let's, let's, let's do that.
0: Awesome, brother. God bless. And, uh, we will see you soon.
1: Cheers. All right, man.
0: Peace. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.